Hello everyone, welcome back to Points to Defend, the final episode of the year that has actual live tennis to review, which, to be fair, there was a point where we thought that was never going to happen, because there may not have been any tennis this year, so we were very lucky to get some at the end. Yeah, not only has the tennis season done well to survive this long, but I think we've done well. Well, we wanted to start this mid-absolutely no tennis during the peak of summer pandemic lockdown. (laughs) Yeah, we were just, we felt like we had to get our names out there somehow. And even though there was no tennis going on, we were like, oh, let's just do this. And then uh, five, six months on, we're still here. Yeah. Which is which is impressive for us. We've been going since the tour resumed and now we're done for the season. You could actually argue we are why the tour resumed. Yes, that's it. So we could launch this. Yeah. So you're welcome, Tennis World. But yeah, obviously the final ATP finals in London was last week. I shed a bit of a tear. (laughs) Yeah, it's... How long has it been there? 12 years? Since 2009. 11 years. Well, it's the 12th one they've held in London. Yeah, the 12th anniversary. Which started with a Russian winning it. Against the first-time young Grand Slam champion at the US Open. And it ended the exact the same. same way, which you were sad about. Well, so are you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you don't know, I don't know why you're listening to this. So, Daniel Medvedev beat Dominic Team in the final to round off what is a very good end to the year. Yeah, Paris and London back-to-back. A Masters and then his first year-end title. So, but yeah, I think going into the final, I think everyone wanted and felt like team deserved it. Same as last year. Yeah, so we'll quickly, we'll go through the final, talk about that, then a couple of the standout matches throughout the week. Um, Team, I thought, looked comfortable in the first set. Well, he... It's another one where you think he should have won it from the position he was in in the match. Mm. It was it was a it was a much lower quality game if you compare them to their respective semi-finals. Yeah, which, and which which is expected when you're playing the likes of Djokovic and Nadal. That and obviously the team Djokovic semi-final was the daytime session one on the Saturday, I believe. And obviously the Medvedev-Nadal one went late into the evening to the point where less than 24 hours later Medvedev had to come back out in the final. I mean, it didn't, it didn't hit saying, him. Not like it mattered. <laughs> but um, yeah, with the, even with the team and Djokovic match, you know, they were both really long, tight, gruelling three-setters. So it's not even like they had a straight sets win over either of them in their semi-final. Team obviously took the first set 6-4, which yeah. pretty comfortable, to be fair. Neither were playing their best tennis, but... Yeah, it was kind of standard one break. Yeah. yeah. And then the second set, obviously, Daniel took uh, 7-2 in the tie break. Yeah. Which he kind of walked away with in the tie break. Because Team, again, was four points down. And everyone was hoping that he could recover it like he did in the match before, but... Mm-hmm. Not to have the same fate this time. And then Medvedev sort of walked away with it. Um, in the... I think so. There was a point in the match I said to you, and I can't remember the specific point, but I said to you, Tim's he- uh, not Tim, team's head's gone. <laughs> I said to you, mm. team's head's gone. And yeah. It was quite, it, it wasn't like he had actually like 
was close to losing at that point. I just, you could just see it. You could see his his sort of like mentality dropped, and he was he was missing quite a few easy shots, and it just felt like he had almost defeated himself there. Yeah, that's why the third set I think just looked from the start. You were if you were backing team, which we were, you were just kind of, you were watching that hoping inside, but you knew deep down you were like he's gone here, like it's it would take a lot for him to win the third set, and obviously he did not win the third set. So sadly, well. You say sadly, oh, sorry, I say sadly, but Medvedev deserved it. Yeah, definitely. It's not like he got lucky. The way he, well, our only standout matches involve, involve the four semi-finalists, which are Team Medvedev, Novak and Rafa. But you think the way he came back from the Rafa match when Rafa literally served for it and Medvedev found a way to come back and win that match, the way he walked Djokovic, like he's done... He did everything this week. You know, he came back from a really tough down-and-out position, kind of unbothered. He absolutely rolled someone who should be beating everyone. So, yeah, he absolutely deserved it this week. And my favourite bit was him when he won. It was so muted. It was. I just love that about him. And then he was saying afterwards when everyone was asking him about it, he was like, yeah, that's just like the thing that I decided I wanted to do now. I think it was after the US Open last year, the iconic... When you go to sleep tonight, you're the reason I won. Um, and then, obviously, when he lost to Rafa in that fucking wild um, yes, I final. Think. Yeah, I think it was after that he was saying in press just after London now that he decided that was going to be his thing, the celebrations that weren't actually celebrations. And, I mean, it looked cool. I think if anyone can pull it off, it's him. Yeah, he's sort of got the persona for it anyway. And Well, it's him that owns being a bit of a twat, so... And fair play to him. Yeah. So that, I like it. that bumps him up to fourth in the world. Well, I think he was already fourth in the world, was he not? I think he was after Paris. Yeah, so Federer drops out of the top four. <laughs> he also, um, yeah, Medvedev also became the first person to beat the world number one, two and three yes. in the same week at the ATP finals. Which is mad. Yes. And they were all in very good form. You think they all want to slam this year. Yes, they are the three slam winners. Yeah. So, and I think I saw a tweet like that as well that says it's very fitting that the kind of year end top four is Australian Open champion, Ron Garros champion, US Open champion, and then the year end champion. Yeah, like, it's literally in the order it should have been in. And yeah, kind of ended perfectly. I know there was, there's all this stuff with points from 2019 that can still be carried over, which on that note, I don't have it in front of me off the top of my head. But because, obviously, you can have the best of your results from 2019 oh, and 20, yeah. Medvedev has something like Washington final, Cincinnati final, or Montreal final, Saint Cincinnati Saint win. Petersburg. Yeah, US Open final, St. Petersburg win, some other wins. And now he's also going to have Paris and London on there. I think Shanghai last year he's got as well. So. He is making a very strong claim. For oh. world number one at the beginning of... Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be close. Because you think all these people at the top, team has to defend Australian Open final. Um, Rafa has to defend like quarters. Um, Novak cannot gain any points because he won. So all these people in that little time period. And then, you know, Roland Garros, Rafa can't add any points on. Djokovic can only add points on if he wins. It's US team can't add any points on. Yeah, I mean, that's the part of the season where Medvedev starts having his own mm. points to defend. But... Do you see why I named it that? <laughs> well, let's let's move on to 
two of the other standout matches from the week. We got Team Djokovic, which was incredible. Like we said, coming from four love down yeah, in, in the, the um, yep. He, he eventually, well, yeah, so team took the first set 7-5. And I think everyone was like, wow, this is like a proper statement here. Then Djokovic clinched it 12-10 in the second. Yeah, that tie-break tie was, just made me feel sick. Team double-faulted, didn't they? They kept having set and match points. And it just, they would like break each other at exactly the right moments and then suddenly lose their server like exactly the wrong mm. moments it was just wild so yeah and then team eventually in the final set tie break took it 7-5 and yeah and Novak after that match he um even he was saying you know I was four love up in that tie break I was playing incredible I didn't drop my level I have no idea what he did props to him he because didn't, I don't know how he got Novak didn't that. miss the first serve in that tie break Team returned team. Return them all. It was the backhand to take it to 6-5, or it might have been 5 or whatever, and it was this, the, it was cross-court, oh. and he oh, absolutely yeah. opened up. And it, as soon as he hit that, you could just tell he was winning it. He just yeah. had that surge of momentum to push mm-hmm. on. Yeah, mad. Obviously, Avengers Australia earlier in the year by being Djokovic yeah. here. But, yeah, team... What a performance and, yeah, unlucky not to win it for the second year running. Awful. Like, it was so heartbreaking to be in the O2 last year. And, yeah, I was happy for six pass and, like, I was. But I wanted I wanted team to win. Like, I was sat there just absolutely gutted. He walked past us. You could just see it on <laughs> his face. Like, his body language, his head was down, his shoulders were hunched. He just walked off the court. And he is one of the most gracious in defeat players ever also quick note on that trophy ceremony it was just weird they kept getting cut off from speaking like every two seconds and everyone online could see that it was just you know a bit of a state they didn't let either of them speak and then team and daniel kept kind of laughing between themselves like lol we're trying to say something and like i'm getting cut off i'm getting cut off again but yeah bless team because it's must be absolutely devastating at least he got his slam but two years in a row where you just think that should have been his because last year that was his natural progression to go masters year-end slam which he's missed out the year end in the middle there and then this year it was kind of had he won that I think he would have been player of 2020. Mm, Yeah all things considered though I think two slam finals a year-end final and then a slam like it's not a bad year is it? But, yeah, um, I mean, unlucky for team. And then if we move on to the other semi-final, which was equally as impressive, Medvedev-Nadal. Yeah, just... Nadal was kind of closing in on a classic. What was the first set again? 6-3. Oh, 6-3. You know, yeah, like a standard, you know, one break, a set, straight sets victory. Tried to serve for it in the second set and just absolutely lost it and never really came back which he did something similar against Sitsipas in the week I think he lost like a second set tie break that he felt he should have won but then absolutely walked Sitsipas in the third set so I expected that and Daniel just stepped up 6-3 yeah yeah Nadal's been very shaky on hardcore as Paris and this he just hasn't looked himself yeah it's a shame because it's probably the best chance he's ever going to have to win the two well, it's gonna be, he it's, may still win them but yeah it's the fittest he's ever going to be going into it yeah and you know 
all of the last few years in both tournaments there's just crazy stats about how he's either not entered at all or withdrawn halfway through a match or before a match or something so it's a shame but i think he'll know that though i think he'll know that this was it oh yeah i mean i don't think he'll give up no well let's say assuming he's in the assuming he's in the top eight next year (laughs) yeah well he's one of those that probably I think he doesn't like to say it the most that he cares about these records but he knows full well you can tell he knows inside and I think he feels like it's a missed opportunity but still you think last year he couldn't even get out of the group stages with two wins at least he got into the semi-final for the first time since I think 2015 so well yeah I mean that's that's basically apart from them all playing each other because that's basically all it is that's basically it for the O2 and, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice for Team to win the final one. I feel like he's sort of the player that needs to kick on the most. He's sort of like the next step once the big three go out. I know he's older than the next gen, but I feel like he's the next one to sort of take that mantle. Yeah. So I think, I think it would have been nice for him to win it and almost kickstart this new wave. But, I mean, Medvedev, like, he's the next gen and he's got... A long career ahead of him. Well, he's one of the OG next gens. Yeah, so I think... I don't really know what happens with the next gen anymore. I don't know who's what. I just kind of see the original, like, 2017 lot as them forever. And I'm I'm glad that one of them won it. Because I think you you cap off this era of the finals being at the O2 and the big three dominating it with sort of, like, a changing of the guard. Yeah, well, you think the last... Five champions have been, or last six now, have been different because we've had Novak, who obviously won it four in a row, but so his fourth one. Then we have Murray, Dimitrov, Sasha, Sitsipas, and now Medvedev. So the last three years as well have been these next-gen stars where I remember in 2017, the Agregal one, that was the first year of next-gen ever being a thing in the finals. And Sasha had qualified for the O2, so he couldn't go and actually play the next-gen because he was already beyond that. And, you know, he got to play there, but he didn't really do well. And then the year after, he won it. And um, I think he was joined by a couple more next-gen lots who qualified that year. And then the year after, even more next-gen lots, like the original scope of next-gen from back in the day, who are now technically too old for it. You know, we've had three kind of original next-gen alumni now win it, who sit, uh, sits past won the next-gen finals and Medvedev had played it in his first year. So it's... Sometimes the next gen feels like a bit of a gimmick when you see all these 18-year-old WTA women winning slams without needing to have a campaign like that. But actually, it's doing its thing because it's getting them... The next gen finals is springboarding them into the actual ATP finals pretty well. And we, we all know who won the last next gen finals. Oh, yeah. My Sina. guy. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, forgot about that. And uh, you think they're going to Turin now? They're going to Italy now for the finals for the next five years. It's meant to be. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the other big tournament that rounded off the year for the WTA. Um, Linz won by Sabalenka. Who is kind of doing a Medvedev at the end of this year as well because she won Ostrava singles and doubles and then she played the oh, Linz yeah. final against her doubles partner Mertens, which we spoke about last week, kind of previewed the final. Yeah, just completely she dominant. had a pretty rough year apart from that, though. If you look at her slam results, it's not... Yeah. She got a first round in Australia, a third round in French, and a second round in the US. So, Well, it is just the thing I said before when it was Ostrava. 
though I don't think we ever published that podcast. <laughs> but um, it's the thing that people were saying at the time of Ostrava, where she goes to Asia and she she loves the Asian hardcourt swing. She wins this same tournament in the same week every year that actually ended up being the same week as Ostrava. So it's like this period in the season, you know. The WTA always end their season in Asia. And I know Linz is November. People don't really play it because you have your year-end tournaments in Zhuhai and in Shenzhen and that's it, you're done. Um, so she's kind of winning them in this period that she would be in her favourite place in Asia. So maybe it's just something about this part of the year for her where maybe others dip as well because it's been a long year, though I know that's not the case this year, and she just finds her game. But it was a really cute at the end um, when her and Mertens, if you remember when they won doubles together on Ostrava, they took that cute jumping picture together, like kind of like looking really symmetrical. Yeah. And they did the same thing with their winner and runner-up trophies in the singles. Um, yeah, the thing I was going to say, I, I think if you've had a good period, like let's say her Asian swing, if you've been playing consistently well every year there, I think that plays on your mind. I think you go into it with a sense of confidence. Yeah. It's like, think... it's like Rafa at French. Like obviously his, his hmm. ability there is just unquestioned. But I mean, you win that tournament so many times and yeah, it adds a bit of pressure on you, but you know you can do it. Yeah, it's almost all you know is in that period you are winning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a great end to the year. Sort of like, yeah, as you said, mirroring Medvedev almost. The last um, two tournaments, the last two big tournaments of the season for the ATP and WTA have been won by Sabalenka and Medvedev. Obviously, we had Sofia for the men, but it was just a bit like, you know, by then we knew who qualified for the O2. We had our once, last Masters. Once, we didn't once really. Dennis and Felix were out. Although, my guy did win Sofia. I mean, he won his first title. <laughs> we, we downplay it, but Yannick Sinner did win his first title. It was, it was very a... significant because Jamie got his Christmas wish early. Oh, I'm just so proud of him. Thank you. Will, I think in the hierarchy, brain, yeah. it goes Sinner... Rublev, me. Oh, no, you're above Rublev. Oh, thank you. If you'd won it this week, maybe. <laughs> so let's quickly touch on a topic that's been a pretty common theme in our podcast the last few weeks before we finish with something a lot more positive. <laughs> let's talk more about the Sasha Zverev situation. Yeah, I don't think it's, you know, obviously it's worth going into, but there's not much more we can say in terms of our opinion on the whole situation and how it's being handled. You know, we still feel the same as we have done. Obviously, he said a bit more this week at the O2, but it's all just the same vibes as what we've heard before. So you and I feel the same about that. Um, Djokovic also had an interesting choice of words. You know, he tweeted and did an Instagram post when he beat Sasha on Friday because mm. it was the two of them playing each other to get the second semi-final yeah. spot and he was kind of like I can't remember it so I don't want to you know completely quote him on it and quote it wrong but to paraphrase it was just you know um stay strong like I'm here for you all this and he said some similar things in his press conference and you know he said you know I'm completely against domestic violence which fair enough but it was a lot of people saw the tweet and all the Instagram and they just said, you know, that was a choice to use that language mm -hmm. and frame him like that within that. And I know you and I have kind of spoken a lot in a way that comes across like we are siding with someone like Olya over Sasha. But I think the important thing for us and for everyone to just remember is to respect 
what we know as public. You know, a lot of people are kind of taking his word over hers and it shouldn't be uh, their word against each other kind of situation. But if you're going to respect that he's saying, I didn't do this, you do need to respect that she's saying, but this happened to me and he did it. And the same back, you know, all we can do is respect that he's saying, I didn't do this, but there is a difference in the way the two of them have gone about it. And yeah, it's just more of the same this week. The only thing that's happened since the O2 itself is um, Murray, Andy Murray did like a long in-depth press conference, I think in the last few days. And he was saying we need a clear domestic violence policy in the ATP. He was like, I can't remember how long it took the ATP to speak on it, but I know it took them way too long. It wasn't okay. You know, we. a lot of people are just kind of saying they need to be able to do their own investigation. They need to be able to have their own policies and have their own way that they know they can conduct an investigation if neither of the two people involved in this situation are going to the authorities because it's their right to decide whether or not they do but if this is something affecting you know his career in the ATP which it is and it should they need to do an investigation it's not enough for them to go oh well if nobody's going to the police and we'll just we can't do anything yeah and also it's he represents them in a sense like if yeah if, if it comes out that he had done this all and they didn't do anything to look into it that comes across badly for them I don't think exactly the ATP is a major organization and obviously it never came to fruition and obviously Djokovic and Pospis are asked to join the council back but with though they can't yeah but with the with the news that like obviously the PTA or whatever it was I can't remember the name um, <laughs> so irrelevant now yeah, like that it could have been under threat and to have a situation like this emerge and it pan out the way it has without them conducting anything and looking into it that could have been very detrimental for the state of tennis going forward another thing quickly Djokovic also I believe said in his press conference and again don't quote me on this he said that no one is treating Zverev differently in the locker room yeah and I think they are Sasha the same he said nobody's treating me differently so, so the players obviously aware of it and it'd be in, I, I mean we're never going to find out unless someone comes out but be interesting to see whether they, they've spoken to him about it or whether they've just sort of played it coy. Well, Novak says he's kind of come up to Zverev and been like, I'm here if you need me. I know Medvedev, actually, I forgot until we were speaking about it now, Medvedev was asked and he said, my wife was really good friends with her, you know. Um, I can't remember too much about what he said, but he said there needs to be a policy, you know. It's not good enough. And I think everyone just agrees that regardless of the truth of this one going forward there should be a system in place to stop this from happening and for it to be looked into from the ATP I think everyone agrees with that and everyone agrees that domestic abuse is just wrong yeah which is good from everyone that they have that sense of morality but yeah I mean no legal developments from it yet just yet more just talk from the players yeah I guess it would be interesting to see if I feel a lot of them are kind of hoping this is going to go away over the off-season, especially because we're having other issues like the Australian Open scheduling drama and all that, which, as it stands right now, is set to start kind of a couple weeks later than planned, more like February the 1st, the Western Room is going to be March, April, but I think that was more of like a Channel 9 or 7 gal in Australia just being like, oh, I think it's going to be March or April, and the whole tennis community was like, oh my God, it's going to be March or April. Yeah, they've got a a five-day window of travel, haven't they? And then obviously something the, like that, and then the, I think it's between like the second and the seventh, or the fifth and the seventh, and then, yeah, and then they have to quarantine for the, two yeah, weeks, two week quarantine, and then obviously qualifiers and everything. So, but yeah. they are 
absolutely not allowed into the country during December, which was the plan to have everyone arrive by the 15th to complete quarantine. But yeah, all these little things is kind of, I think the ATP and Sasha and teammate and everyone involved are kind of thinking, oh, this will go away because this stuff does in tennis. We saw it with Justin Gimmelstob and yes, he resigned or whatever he did. But, you know, this man pleaded no contest to attacking a man while screaming, I'm going to kill you. And the guy's wife had a miscarriage after watching it happen. And, you know, certain people who defended him are the same people defending Sasha now and are the same people saying, I hate domestic violence. So I think this one is one that will finally be the one that doesn't go away and sparks change. And it's just a shame that it has to be something like this that does it. But props to whoever has to come out and kind of share their story to make this kind of change because I, I don't know what it takes to be able to actually do that to get justice not just for you but for just to change a whole system's thinking yeah, or something. Yeah, to impact, to impact the entire sport, basically. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's finish on a positive note, a very <laughs> positive note. You had the opportunity to speak to <laughs> Andy Murray and Gail Monfils as part of their Muzz Month ATP... Twitch stream. Yeah. Do you want to just talk about that? Because, I mean, it's your moment. (laughs) I'm... Your moment... Your moment because of me. Oh, not just because of you. Right, so... Obviously, I spoke about this on the podcast last week, and I thought it was an incredible idea. Absolutely love watching it this week. what we realistically want to do. Yes, it's what you and I would want to do, but we do not have, um, you know, the ATP media contacts or, you know, I think if if you and I email the ATP media being like, hi, we want to do a little Twitch show, can you give us graphics? They'd be like, they wouldn't even reply. They'd be yeah. like, who are you? We're not, we're not Gail Monfils. We're not an active professional top 10 player, you know. Um, but it's absolutely what the sport needs. It was, it delivered so much this week. So good. They so worked, funny. So like natural. Very well together. Yes, absolutely. You know, the guests they had on loved it, you know. Um, they got Dimitrov Medvedev. Was a f- like they got Medvedev bumped it. me off, thank you. Yeah, and they kind of all week, by the back end of the week of their show, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have the winner, or we're going to have the winner. And I was like, who are you? Like, TMZ. It was but... essentially like a another press duty for the players, but one they yeah. could actually enjoy. But it's great. And, you know, the ATP sent them all those videos. You weren't watching it when they were on. <laughs> it was one of the first. I saw, I, yeah, I, I watched the clips. <laughs> and um, so the players all sent in these videos and they were like, if you were in my group, what strategy would you use? And one person sent in that um, it video. I think it was like team. And then Andy and Gail were like, what is this? We don't understand. Like, what a dumb question. They were just laughing about the question for ages. They were like, okay, let's get the next one. And Djokovic was like speaking quite slowly. And then they kind of were realized you're just asking the exact same question and they just lost it and it just just such a good show it's so good to see them in that kind of environment and I think when they actually did have the players on whether it was you know they had people like Dennis and Mateo on who were Dimitrov. at the O2 as alternates yeah who um like people like Dennis and Mateo I think the ATP kind of arranged that as they were there people like Dimitrov and um Felix I don't know if they just kind of messaged them and arranged it between themselves and did it from home you could see the kind of interaction that they all had with each other was something beyond what anyone would get out of them if they were just like a normal broadcaster or journalist, like as good as you are. These are like each other's peers. It's just more fun for them to do it from this perspective and it's more fun for us to see it. Um, but yes, yeah, I was... Anyway, stop, I think plugging, the last... stop plugging the show. 
It's done I should have plugged our show on it. I know, I should have plugged our show on it. But <laughs> yeah, um, so it got to the fi- You got a message three days before the end of, eight, the, end of the finals? Three or two? I think it was Friday. So on Friday I was watching it and I tweeted something like, oh, I would die to be the fan on the end of hashtag Musmont ATP. And so Milan, who I'd followed earlier in the week because I'd seen he was Gail's assistant for this show who was getting people on it, I just followed him to be like, you know, let's see if I like want to ask. But that wasn't super bothered i didn't want to be like really bait and beggy because i'm like you know i don't want to seem like a little fad i want to seem like i want to establish myself in this sport one day but um so then he messaged me like minutes later like hello what would you ask him if you were on the show and i was like oh thank you for messaging me like told him an idea well you came to me and i had to word it for you oh yeah well obviously i came to you first um and yeah we got so we, replied... we sort of condensed it a little bit yeah more cohesive so, question. <laughs> I came to you and then I replied to him and I didn't hear back. And it was Saturday and I was working all weekend, which I don't normally do. I do it once a month now. Oh. So on Saturday afternoon, at about five-ish, he was like, he finally replied to me from Friday night. I was like, hi, sorry, we've already got a fan for tonight, but maybe tomorrow, but like can't promise anything. So I was like, okay, no worries. So then I was like, right, I've got to show him that I'm like an asset, you know? So I was like, Jamie, can you tweet something really, really nice about me? Because she loves me. And... um. So Jamie added Milan and me and put hashtag Musmont for ATP just to say that I should be on it. And then lots of my friends replied to the original tweet, keeping everyone tagged, being like, she'd be great for it. So I was like, you know, I was like, I let's, simped let's... myself out, basically. <laughs> my Thank you. I love you. Place. It's all Norwich news, all football. I um, mean, you have deleted it and you better not edit this out. The... No, no, no. I mean, I'm, the thing I'm about to talk about, you've once deleted it from your Twitter and you better not remove it from this podcast edit. You have tweeted me for Opoly competitions before, so you do simfo over me on your Twitter sometimes. Yeah, no, I did do that once and then a bunch of people found it from my old school and started liking it. So I just sort of bottled it. Outrageous. Anyway, so yeah, loads of my friends were applying to it and I don't know if it did it, but then on Sunday also, I got up and I put a little bit of eye makeup on again, just in case, and um, I messaged him partway through the day and was like, hi, like, I would really, really like to do it if I can, you know, no worries if not, but like, really been loving the show, like, it's exactly what, you know, I wanted them to be doing and all this. And it got to the final and the show had been on for two and a half hours and I'd been watching it and I took my L. I'd been working six days that week, you know. I I put on a nice top that day just in case the top half of me had to be on camera. It did not. So I took it off, put on one of your big t-shirts you'd given me for lockdown to be reminded of you because we're just simping over each other all the time over here. Um, And then I get a message, I think after the final has ended, and he was like hi it's your time do you want to be on it and I was like oh my god so basically the way my dm sent to me he sent me a link to get straight onto the thing but I never saw I never got the dm of the link I just got all these dms being like go on now put your camera on and you can go on so I was freaking out I was like oh my god I don't have the twitch app I don't have a twitch account I was trying to make an account on my laptop trying to download twitch on my phone and it just wasn't happening he kept messaging me like hurry 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 and you were saying on the stream they were saying oh we need to get a fan but there's like all these technical difficulties they're not here right now uh, it was because I hadn't seen that he just sent me a link that I had to click by the time I saw it Medvedev popped up and so I just kept my camera on on my phone sideways and I didn't move from like from the link obviously or I'd be taken out of the thing and have to go back in it and he was sending me all these messages at the top of my phone being like so sorry Daniel popped up we'll get you on next and then Daniel went away and I was still like because you can watch it on your phone and also see yourself like in your preview of what you're going to look like when you're on it um 
And so I was watching that on my phone and then they started introducing someone else. And then they said Rashmi and I was like, he's misheard Yasmin and all your friends thought that as well. But it turns out it was Rashmi who I didn't know is at Drive Volleys on Twitter who's like, I see her all the time on Twitter and Twitter, like really funny videos and stuff. So at least she got on there. But the way Milan was messaging me was like they had absolutely no time. So then she came on screen, he was like, so sorry, I'll try to get you on next. Depends how like quick she is. And bless her, she went on for a while, which fair enough, I get why, because massive fan. But it got to me, and they put me on. And I, in my head, I was thinking, I messed this up before because they were waiting for me and I didn't click the link. Then they got Danielle. Then they got her and she spoke for a while. I was like, it comes across like they literally are about to end the show in two minutes and get out of here. So I was like, I'll be brief. Ask my question, which was, if they'd made any predictions this time last year for the 2020 season what they thought would happen, basically, if Rona hadn't happened. And Gail, bless him, got quite deep, but was completely true, saying that he thinks it would have been the best season of his life, would have ended top five, you know, he was playing the best tennis of his career before the pandemic hit, which he was. He won two titles in two weeks back-to-back. And then had that amazing final in Dubai with Djokovic. Uh, yeah, so Gail gave his answer and he gave his, which I was quite, he said team was the only surprise winning the US Open and no offence Andy, but in my 2020 predictions blog post that I wrote this time last year, I said team was going to win the US Open, so, and then I told Andy Murray that I predicted him to win a golf medal this year. Yeah, this poor bloke who has more injuries than you can count <laughs> and all he wants to do is play tennis and he didn't have the very, the best end of the year, you've told him, oh Andy, should have been, you should have been winning Olympic gold. Andy, you know, uh, you know, in like July, August, you should have won a gold medal, mate. You wouldn't have won it if we actually ha- if we'd played it. You know, you wouldn't have won it. You, uh, you simped over Andy Murray very hard. I, I was honestly just sat there like people are going to think like people are going to think like who is this dumb blonde girl who knows nothing about tennis? Because you know, I don't. People don't really know me in tennis Twitter. You know, the girl before Rashmi, everyone was gassed for her, which fair enough. Like now, I know who that is. Me too. But me, I feel like they're probably thinking, this is this isn't a real fan. We haven't heard of her. She's gone, oh, Andy, I thought we are going to win a gold medal. Ha, ha, ha. Like, mm-hmm. but the thing is, at the end, because loads of fans had been doing this the previous nights, loads of fans started saying really nice things to them at the end. And I really wanted to, because especially when they were doing all this montage at the O2 of it being the last year, you know, I was having a little bit of a tear. And I was thinking, oh, like, Gail's the first match I ever watched there, him and team. And, like, you know, Andy is literally the reason I like the sport that I now want to be involved in so it's like basically changed my life so I was going to say all that and you know and I was going to be like the show is amazing you know like it's exactly what I care about with getting new people involved in the sport in new ways and because it was cut for time I was just thinking I I can't like I can't say anything so I just said thanks said bye and I feel like I looked really I feel like I didn't look like a proper fan and I looked quite like ungrateful and I was like hi here's my question Andy thought you're gonna win gold bye but it was in my defence because I thought we, they were really strapped for time and then they carried on doing the show for another, like, 15 minutes after that. So I could have said something, but... That's not your That's fault. my story. That's my yeah. story. That's how I got surprised... Global. Yeah, that's how I got surprised two minutes before with a link to go talk to, like, literally the man that's changed my life. No offence, so have you, but... Which man's that? Andy or Gail? Andy, but... And then then apologise to Monfils as well. I mean, I'm sorry, Gail. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, another another dub for the points to defend lot. I was honestly... Do you know the thing that annoys me the most? You know when they asked me my 2021 predictions, which I literally haven't thought of yet, which you and I need to do for this podcast... 
because we need to do it for the podcast, I so should have been like, oh, I need to like go head to head with my boyfriend in prediction. Give me a good one for our podcast. And I'll be like, which podcast? I'll be like, Poison the Fan. But I, I, sorry, yeah, I didn't utilize my moment. Well, yeah, that brings us on nicely to the end of this episode. <laughs> I imagine we'll do one more before the turn of the new year in which we'll make predictions. Yes. We'll make predictions as if it's a normal year. Yeah. Let's just, we'll or given the whatever we know about what's going down. The slams and the Masters and whoever, who, if like someone having a standout year, someone who's going to mm-hmm. flop and everything. And then, I mean, assuming we keep this up in the new year, let's see how everything unfolds. Yeah. We can, we'll be here for a whole season, start to finish, hopefully. Yeah, if we can keep it up. If we can keep it up and if they can keep it up. All right, well, we'll speak to you with our 2021 predictions next time. Yeah.